Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Tuesday, April 9th. As always, I am your host, Travis Karczewski. Just me today. I know we've had a little bit of a run of, you know, guests on the show, but it's just me today. It's just going to be a solo show. We should get back to a uh, um, couple guests on the show the next couple of uh, shows. But as for now, it's just me today. I'm going to be filling your ears with all the hot sport news for that's been up to the point where we're at now. That made no sense. But we're going to get through this. We're going to talk about some of the big games over the weekend, some of the big storylines over the weekend as well. Let's start with last night's championship game, Virginia versus Texas Tech. Virginia ended up winning that game uh, 85 to 77 in overtime. This was a it was a good game. Um, it was a solid championship game. Um, I think overall the tournament March Madness was kind of a, this was sort of a down year for it. There weren't that many you know buzzer beaters. There weren't that many amazing games or amazing moments. Some of these games um, are really quite forgettable. And even the championship game. I mean, it's kind of just a forgettable championship game. Uh, you know, shout out to Virginia to get their first championship win um, under Tony Bennett. It was it was a good game though. Um, it's just not something, you know, you're going to tell your kids about one day. I think they made the big mistake of putting it on so late. They put it on 9.30. Nobody, like, especially kids and people who have to work that next day can't watch that game. They can't stay up till 11.30 to midnight to watch the game. Putting it on at 9.30 was a mistake. I think it was too late. Um, I get you want to have sort of the West Coast be able to tune in at a decent time, but putting it on at 8 o'clock and having it done by like 10 o'clock would have been a better idea, I think. You would have had more people watching. Um, But I saw a tweet, which I thought was hilarious, which was like, Virginia versus Texas Tech, if it was played in the regular season, it would be on at, you know, 1 o'clock on a Saturday. Nobody would be paying attention. So, yeah, I mean, overall, I think this tournament was a down year. Shout-out to the Virginia Cavaliers. They got their uh, first championship win under Tony Bennett. And this also means I get the master bedroom in our house next year. So, if you don't know, if you didn't read the tweet, follow our Twitter at TNT Sports Talk 12. Truman and I and Johnny are getting a house next year at our college. It's an off-campus house. We're renting it. And, uh... We there's three bedrooms and we had to decide who gets what bedroom. So we made a bet that we'd base it off the final four teams. So we took um, the final four teams: Virginia, Michigan State, Auburn, and Texas Tech, and we assigned them numbers one through four. And then we ran through a number generator, random number generator, uh, who would get what team. And it ended up Johnny getting Virginia, Truman getting Michigan State. And I got the third seed, so I got to pick between Texas Tech and Auburn. I picked Auburn because I thought Auburn was better. I thought they had a better shot to beat uh, Virginia than Texas Tech beating Michigan State. Obviously, I was wrong. But then it came down to um, the game on Saturday where Virginia actually beat Auburn. During that game, Kyle Guy stepping up to the free throw line and making those three free throws was one of the most cold-blooded things I've ever seen, um, but that was awesome. But that ended up me losing, so I actually weren't wasn't gonna get the master bedroom. But then Johnny made the deal, called me up. We were talking deals. I was at a restaurant, and he said that uh, if he can have the second best bedroom now, he'll give me Virginia, and then he'll give Truman the winner 
between Michigan State and Texas Tech. And then obviously Texas Tech won. So it was between me and Sherman, Virginia versus Texas Tech, about who got the uh, best bedroom in the house, the master bedroom. Uh, and then the loser would get the third best. But I ended up winning, ended up getting the master, which is rightfully so since I'm, you know, oldest guy in the house, most senior guy. I think I deserve it. But uh, that's all that matters now. It doesn't matter now that I have the best bedroom in the house. So that's it for the championship game. That's kind of all I had to say about that. Um, you know, there was a, some good moments in it. But all in all, I think it was a pretty forgettable championship game. Pretty forgettable tournament overall. This isn't something you're going to tell your kids about. Um, I guess the biggest storyline, you know, it's cool to see a team that lost to a 16 seed last year in the first round got absolutely embarrassed on a national stage, uh, win the championship the next year, and uh, sort of restore themselves back to glory in college basketball eyes. But good game. Not much, um, you know, uh, uh, I guess you could say not much, um, uh, storylines or something like that behind the game. Not much, you know, notable moments over in overall in this game and this tournament. But that's it for that. We're going to talk some football now. Uh, football actually turned into basketball a little bit this weekend. We got pretty petty over Twitter, mostly on Antonio Brown's side, pretty much all of it on Antonio Brown's side. He has had quite possibly the worst off season of any guy you could ever see. And it started in week 16 where he left practice. We all know the story. He left practice. He called out big Ben. He got in a fight with big Ben. I believe during practice. So he left and just didn't show up for their last game in week 17, which they ended up losing. And if they would have won, they would have had a better shot at the playoffs, um, than where they're at, than where they finished. But, uh, yeah, he ended up not showing up demanding a trade, Calling out Big Ben, you know, he got caught speeding, you know, he got caught throwing furniture over a balcony at a hotel, domestic abuse allegation, just a lot of stuff been going on. Got traded to Buffalo where he uh, ended up not wanting to go, so he complained. Got traded to the Oakland Raiders um, where he got a nice big fat contract and uh, sort of reunited that fan base. And then you thought it was over, right? You thought, okay, he's done. He's done talking about it. Uh, let's move on. Let's just get ready to play football. But he, then he goes out and he does something stupid and he calls out Juju Smith on Twitter. So we're going to read these tweets back and forth. This is the A.B. and Juju Smith-Schuster drama over the weekend that you know you've been dying to hear about. So he called him out. Some guy named Steeler Steve uh, tweeted at him a picture um, saying that 2018, the most valuable player was Juju Smith-Schuster, which is sort of a shot at Antonio Brown. Um, but, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster at least was showed up for every game. You know, he didn't leave practice early. Then Antonio Brown sort of retweeted, commented it, and said that this emotion, um, the boy fumbled the whole postseason away in the biggest game of the year. Everybody went blind to busy making guys famous. Not enough reality these days. By the way, check the list. So basically what he's saying is uh, Juju Smith fumbled away the season. How could he be MVP? Which is also a huge coincidence, though, because he started that uh, tweet with the word emotion. Um and actually, like I think like two or three tweets before that, he tweeted that guys need to start 
keeping their emotions off the internet, which obviously he is not doing. So Juju gets called out like that. Uh, it's totally uncalled for, totally unnecessary to call somebody out like that. Obviously, we know Juju Smith-Schuster fumbled, um, and I, I forget where he fumbled, but he fumbled. He had a big fumble this year, um, and he was torn up about it. You know, he was crying on the sidelines. It was obviously a really tough situation for him, and to get called out by that like that by one of supposedly one of your best friends is just uncalled for. And then goes out, and Juju... Um, Makes takes the high road, I guess you could say, and uh, tweets that um, you know you got to keep your emotions off the internet. All you can like, obviously, like that. You're, he's trying to take a shot at uh, Antonio Brown, so he tweets that, and then he says, "All I ever did was show that man love and respect from the moment I got to the league. I was genuinely happy for him when he got traded to Oakland and got a new big contract, and now he takes shots at me on social media. Crazy how big." how big the ego got to be to take shots at people who love you smh and that was the end for juju's side then antonio brown yesterday again he takes the high road juju smith takes the high road and then yesterday uh antonio brown sort of calls out juju smith schuster on instagram it i gotta find it because he actually deleted it uh which we'll talk about in a second but basically what happened was um let me see if I can find it. Um, I can't find it because he deleted it, actually. But what he did was he tweeted, Antonio Brown tweeted, Instagrammed a picture of his Instagram DMs from a couple years ago. And it was a DM from Juju Smith-Schuster. And it was a picture of Juju. And it said, hey, uh, I'm paraphrasing, by the way, because, again, I didn't see this. But, um, hey, I'm a wide receiver at UC. Uh, UCS, USC, um, and I was wondering if you have any tips for me to take my game to the next level. I respect you. You're one of my best favorite receivers, stuff like that. He tweets that. I mean, he Instagrams that. I keep saying tweets. Like, that's supposed to uh, make fans get a bad light of Juju, which makes no sense because Juju Smith-Schuster is um, just respecting Antonio Brown. And then Antonio Brown tweets yesterday that... Uh, I'm sorry guys, it's early morning. That ain't no sparring, no more fake love, NFL wannabe. Makes no sense to me, but I guess what he's just, he's just sort of ending the situation. And in this situation overall, Antonio Brown looks like the piece of shit. Um, all Juju Smith-Schuster did uh, during his career with the Steelers with Antonio Brown was show Antonio Brown love and respect. You know, they I thought they were pretty good friends. I don't think Juju's ever called him out. Uh, and it's just sad to see Antonio Brown resort to this, uh, this type of situation um, and this type of lowness that he gives. But Antonio Brown... I mean, I think he's quickly gone from being one of the most liked players in the NFL to easily one of the most hated. Uh, and this just shows the amount of respect that people have for him is going to go down and it's going to go down quickly. So hopefully Antonio Brown realizes what he's doing. Hopefully, you know, he makes these moves for a reason. But at the end of the day, I think people are getting pretty pissed off at him. 
So that's it for that situation. Again, as I said, it's a little bit like NBA drama, you know, going to Twitter to talk about this type of stuff. Um, it's pretty, you know, immature to go on Twitter and talk about this stuff. I'm pretty sure Antonio Brown has Juju's number. And if you ever had a problem with uh, Juju, I'm sure um, Juju Smith-Schuster would be quick to uh, you know, respond back via text messages and resolve that situation like men behind closed doors. Uh, but whatever, I digress. Uh, AF. Uh, we talked about it on the last show. It's folded. It is done. It is over. It's been a shit show since the beginning. Uh, it got cut pretty quickly. It got folded pretty quickly. I know we didn't get a chance to talk about it on Thursday, um, but basically. Uh, the team, the league got folded pretty quickly um, and pretty violently. I think violently is a fantastic word for that situation because players weren't even told it was going to happen. They came to the hotels. Their bags were in the lobbies. Their rooms weren't even paid. They had to pay the uh, the rooms. Um, guys who were hurt had to pay for their medical treatment. I know there was a couple guys who actually... Uh, you know, got hurt the week or two before, and now they had to pay for their medical treatment, which is just a terrible, you know, way to treat your players, people who have, you know, given you their bodies. It's tough. Um, but that's a situation we dealt with, and now all these players are out of a job. But thankfully, the NFL sort of came to the rescue, and they're starting to sign players. I did research yesterday around noon, and I saw that 13 guys have been signed from the AAF to the NFL. That number has gone up. I think it's at 15 or 16, and I think it will continue to go up. Most notably, though, Trent Richardson has not signed. Um, most notably, though, of the signees, uh, I would say Jaron Elliott. He signed to the Dolphins, former Packer, uh, AAF sack leader, all-time sack leader. Signed to the Dolphins, which I think was going to happen. Everybody knew he was going to get a job. Uh, Garrett Gilbert signed to the Browns, the quarterback from the Apollo, I believe. Um, Brandon Silvers, the other quarterback from the Express, I think. He's getting a couple tryouts here. Um, I think those are the only two quarterbacks really getting anything. No running backs have gotten signed yet. Uh, Keith Reeser was signed to the Chiefs. Uh, he was the best cornerback, I believe, in the AAF best coverage grades. Uh, he was actually the first player from the AAF to be signed to the league. Um, so obviously, you know, Truman talked about in the last show, he doesn't think this stuff will ever work. But there's a there's a reason for it. If without the AAF, these 15, 16 guys so far would not have been signed, would not have been uh, given this opportunity to uh, you know make the NFL one more time. I mean, so I think the biggest position signed right now has been offensive linemen. I know the cheat, no, the Panthers signed like three or four offensive linemen from the AAF, um, which is interesting. But there's obviously a a market for this. I think I know people are quick to write off the AAF, say it was just you know type of arena league type of thing. But there's a market for it, I believe, and uh, we're seeing that now with how many players are being signed. But that's it for the AAF. We'll, we'll give. I think this is the last time we'll talk about it, um, because I think, you know, unless Trent Richardson or something like that gets signed, this is. I'm sorry, I keep yawning. But um, this is the last time we're ever going to talk about it because there's really no more reason to it. I think the players are going to slowly start to be picked off. The talent, top talent's going to be picked out of here. Um, and we'll see what happens. Unless Trent Richardson gets signed or Johnny Manziel gets signed to the NFL, 
then we'll talk about it, but I don't believe that's going to happen. Next story in the NFL, Demarcus Lawrence has those fat, that fat new contract, five years, $105 million contract. I believe it's between him, Aaron Donald, and there's one more guy I'm missing as the top paid defensive players in the league. I'll look it up really quickly. But uh, 26 years old, one of the most dominant pass rushers in the NFL the last couple years. Took him a couple seasons to come on, but when he came on, he came on quickly, and he has just been dominant since then. Uh, you know, he had 14 and a half sacks in 2017, led the league, earned a Pro Bowl appearance, and then last year earned another Pro Bowl appearance with 10 and a half sacks. Uh, so third highest defensive paid player behind Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald. Uh, he deserves to be paid like that. 26 years old, a dominant pass rusher last couple of seasons. Uh, you're going to get paid, and you're going to get paid a lot. I know he was a uh, uh, franchise tag the last couple of seasons. I know we didn't want to see another Le'Veon Bell situation, but thankfully uh, the him and the Cowboys were able to work it out uh, for that. Now, football. Last story I want to talk about football. The Green Bay Packers have been in the news recently. My Green Bay Packers, my favorite team uh, in all of sports, has been in the news lately. And I wanted to talk about that and address everything going on in that situation. So growing up, most of my childhood, the Green Bay Packer organization has been um, one of my uh, loves in life. It's one of those things, it's one of the most consistent things in my life. Uh, it's usually been... Tightened up, buttoned up um, type of situation. Uh, Super Bowl contenders every year. Uh, Mike McCarthy is the head coach. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the majority of my teenage years. But the past couple of seasons, it's grown um, uh, rocky, the relationship with the Green Bay Packers and the Green Bay Packers in itself. First, we started with you know Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, missing the playoffs the last two years. Mike McCarthy getting fired, Ted Thompson getting fired, Dom Capers being fired. All of the um, main staples of my childhood slash teenage years are gone, except Aaron Rodgers. On top of all of that, um, we have gotten an article released the other day by Bleacher Report, I believe. Not sure who the writer was, who that little piece of shit writer was, Um because if I do, did know his name, I'd call him out, but I actually don't. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to go find the article because I sort of read, wrote off that article. Because that article is the shittiest piece of writing I have ever seen in my entire life. So the Packers organization the last couple of years has been quiet, pretty wrapped up. It's been sort of like, I guess you could pair it the closest thing to the Patriots in the NFL in terms of buttoned up, quiet, quieted uh, situation you don't hear much of. Now... This article released basically just shitted on Aaron Rodgers from the top to the bottom, talking about how Aaron Rodgers isn't a leader, talking about how him and Mike McCarthy were just uh, uh, always fighting, they hated each other, about how uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers has always hated Mike McCarthy after the, uh, you know, after he didn't pick him in the draft. Uh, with San Francisco, he was the offensive coordinator there. How about how he didn't pick him? How about how he let him sit there for a while? And Aaron Rodgers just hold this, held this grudge against him for the last couple of years just because of that. That's not true, I truly believe. But anyways, at the end of the day, um, this article continued to go on saying that. 
Aaron Rodgers is just a bad teammate. Um, as soon as you make a mistake, he's going to throw you in the doghouse. He's not going to treat you uh, like the way you should be treated. Uh, about how he always preferred, you know, offense over defense. He never, you know, looked after the defensive guys. Uh, basically, two guys in this article, two pieces of shit traders, two guys that if I had the opportunity, I would throw one or two punches right at their face. Jermichael Finley and Greg Jennings, two guys who I idolized as a kid growing up. I wore Greg Jennings' fucking jersey, and the fact of the matter is, I hate him now. And then you look at Jermichael Finley. My sister loved Jermichael Finley. She owned his jersey. He got knocked out. That was one of the saddest moments of my life when he got knocked out for um, his neck injury. And the last couple of years, they've been talking shit in the media about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but we haven't really put paid much attention to it. And then they go out here and they did a whole story about how all this stuff is going on right now, about how Aaron Rodgers doesn't respect the coaching staff, about how Mike, um, about how Mark Murphy, the Packers' uh, president and CEO, had to tell Aaron Rodgers to play nice, basically with Matt Lafleur, about how this is his situation, he has no say in that. And Aaron Rodgers, my king, my god, my everything, went on a radio show yesterday and tweeted about, not tweeted, uh, went on a radio show yesterday and just lit in to every single person who has ever um, made fun of the Packers, who has ever used this article as sort of uh, credence and given it credibility. Aaron Rodgers went in basically saying that everybody, everything in this article is wrong, how it's a slander piece, a hit piece about how, you know, they were just doing it for publicity. And my favorite quote of them all, which I'll pull it up actually right now, bear with me. Um, there was just, there was a ton of quotable things from this article. Aaron Rodgers is a pretty buttoned up guy. You don't hear a lot from him. Um, yeah, he has his problems in the media, but you never really hear him. You know, talk about it. Like, I fully expected this situation to just go away. Aaron Rodgers not to comment on it. Maybe give some sort of half-hearted comment. But he did something I really didn't expect him to do. And he stood up there. He took the questions. And he answered every single one. And he gave some fantastic quotes. And this is my favorite quote. They asked him about the article. And he said that it was a smear attack by a writer looking to advance his career, talking with mostly irrelevant, bitter players who have their own agenda, whether they're advancing their own careers or just trying to stir their own old stuff up, which I loved. I love that more than anything, talking about these players being irrelevant and they are just trying to advance their own agenda and try to make their careers better than what they are. Because that's what it is. Jermichael Finley uh, is pretty irrelevant now. You don't hear much from him uh, since the injury. Packer Nation has sort of written him off, which makes no sense because that's where he played. And now that Packer Nation uh, writes you off, there's really no fan, uh, really no home for him anymore and thankfully you know Packer fans wrote him off wrote him off Packer fans are quick to embrace you and they're quick to write you off if you sort of um go against them or you talk bad about one of their favorite players like Aaron Rodgers um and I'm, I'm certainly glad that we do that we're quick to love and quick to hate quick to write you off um 
But if Jermichael Finley, like like I said, if he apologized, if he you know went to Aaron Rodgers and man to man and apologized, then so then the door would be open for the Packers to sort of bring him back uh, into our loving arms as fans. But right now he's on the shit list for the Packers. He joins um, Greg Jennings and Martellus Bennett is really the only three guys I could think of on the shit list for the Packers right now. Um, and then Greg Jennings, the little that little trading ass Greg Jennings who went to the Vikings after the Packers didn't want him anymore. Um, and he's been on Fox News the last couple of years, not Fox News, Fox Sports, um, talking about the Packers. Basically just using his experience with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, you know, helped uh, advance Greg Jennings' career way longer than what it should have. Um it made him basically into the player he was, the Pro Bowl caliber player he was. He made him that. And to advance that type of uh, agenda that Greg Jennings is trying to advance is just wrong in my eyes. You know, somebody who's done so much for you in your career, to go onto the media and to talk shit about him is just not the right thing to do. You want to be a James Jones. James Jones is a Packer great, a fan favorite, will forever be a Packer favorite um, in terms of uh, just love and support that the Packer fans give him. And you know, he went on NFL Network and just, you know, put out all the rumors to rest saying that Aaron Rodgers is one of the best teammates he's ever been around and everybody loves him. And you've seen it the past couple of weeks, players coming out in support of Aaron Rodgers, millions of guys. He's Aaron Rodgers said that hundreds of guys have texted him, you know, offering their support. And even Mike McCarthy and him talked and he said, you know, him and Mike never really had, you know, that deep of a problem as people think. Mike McCarthy and him had their problems. He didn't deny that. Um, he actually apologized after the Buffalo situation, but uh, where he sort of called out Mike McCarthy. But um, he apologized before that. But he also said, you know, Mike McCarthy is a Packer great, which he is. He said, if you ever see him around Green Bay, shake his hand and just tell him thanks for the memories. Because that's what Aaron Rodgers does. He's a classy guy. And in the media, you'll see... People try to shit on Mike McCarthy, shit on Aaron Rodgers, but at the end of the day, uh, I think we really know what happened, and I think Packer fans really understand what's going on. Um, but that's all I wanted to talk about with that. Don't come at the Packers if you don't have your facts straight. Don't try to make yourself relevant if you're no longer relevant in the media, and that's what Jermichael Finley and Greg Jennings tried to do. Uh, so that's the situation with that. Let's move on now to basketball, but before that, Let's talk about D's home cuts, but actually even before that, one more time I want to wrap up this Packer situation. Um, we're moving forward now. I think the past has been is now behind the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers going on to Milwaukee Radio yesterday and uh, basically dispelling all these rumors and all this stuff, I think the Packers are in a really good spot right now. Um, emotion aside from it, um, I think Matt LaFleur is a great young coach. we got Mike Pettin and we have Brian Gutenkeis. It's a whole new regime there than what we're used to. Um, and I think we're ready to move on. And, you know, we got some good players in there in free agency this year. We spent second most in free, agent this, free, free agency this year behind the Jets. Um, so I think we're ready to move on. Uh, two first-round picks. Uh, this is going to be a whole new-look Packer team that we're used to. Um, and I'm used to, you know, I've spent my whole entire almost life that I can remember watching Mike McCarthy with the Packers. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, a new coach on the sidelines. It was interesting to see Joe Philbin coach the last four games. But that's where we're at right now. I think we're looking forward, we're looking to move forward. I think what this article 
was trying to do was trying to put the Packers away. It was trying to make Aaron Rodgers um, seem less likable as he is. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, Packer fans are Packer fans. We love Aaron Rodgers. We'll never go against him. Uh, no matter what, fans are going to rally around him. And uh, I think what this article tried to do and what it did is two different things. It tried to dispel the Packers. It tried to put us down um, and sort of put us away. But what I think it's going to do is reignite this fan base, reignite this team. Uh, a lot of hate been going on in the media. I think Aaron Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder. And when Aaron Rodgers is pissed off and has a chip on his shoulder, I mean, I would be scared if I'm the rest of the league. So I think he's going to come out firing this year, and I think it's going to be a great year for the Packers and Packer fans all together. But these home cuts, best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $7, these home cuts will provide you with a professional haircut and styling. Um, cheapest haircut you'll find around. Me, Truman, Johnny, 90% of the guests we've had on the show have gotten a haircut at D's at least once or their lifetime customers. Truman's actually going up to D's Home Cuts today to get a fresh cut. Johnny got a fresh cut last week, and I got one the week before that. D's Home Cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. Check out his Instagram at D's Home Cuts. That's where you can find all these types of haircuts that he's done. Send him a DM if you have questions or if you would like to set up an appointment, send him a DM as well. Uh, other than that, though, he's also doing a YouTube channel. It's called Unlimited Dom, talking about his weight loss. He's been killing it lately. Um, he's lost almost 100 pounds, I think it is. I think he's at his goal weight now, which he's trying to maintain. But you can get some great tips from him about how to lose weight. You know, struggling with weight loss is not easy. You know, I've been through it. I lost 70 pounds worth of weight, um, and it's not easy. And Dom's giving posting videos almost every single week showing you different tips, different meals uh, about how to stay motivated and about what to eat during your weight loss journey if you're struggling with that. Uh, so go check him out, Unlimited Dom on YouTube, and then Dee's Home Cuts on Instagram. So there it is, Dee's Home Cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. So we are at the uh, finishing, ending up point for the NBA season. Ba playoff basketball is going to be starting here soon. Things you want to be looking for is the East, the eighth seed in the East. That's not wrapped up just yet. The Pistons, as of right now, I believe hold that spot. Um, but this was done yesterday. This research was done yesterday. So let me give it a quick check. But basically, you know, the Pistons, they went 0-4 last week. Um, and the Hornets went 3-1. So they're one game back right now uh, from what I did yesterday with my research. Um, yeah, they're still... They still have it. Um, let me see here. Hold on a sec. Uh, yeah, they're one and a half games back, actually. Uh, but they're, they went 3-1 last week. The Pistons went 0-4. They've been struggling. As far as the Heat goes, they went 0-4 last week. It's pretty unlikely that the Heat actually make it to the playoffs now. They need a lot of help if they are even going to have a shot to get in. Um, so it's pretty unlikely that they will get in. Uh, but the Bucks actually wrapped up the number one seed. They wrapped up uh, 60 wins, which I think is the first time in a couple years that they've gotten 60 wins. Now, Truman's so pumped up. My dad's pumped up about the Bucks. Here's why I'm going to tell you to take a step back on the Milwaukee Bucks for a second. 
I'm going to admit, I'm just going to give a disclaimer. This is probably 100% biased talk. I heard this from one of the sports anchors I listened to. I liked it, so I decided to run with it because I don't like the Bucks. I don't like... No, I, I take it back. I don't mind the Bucks. I don't like Truman's teams winning. Truman's had a lot of luck in the past couple of years. Thankfully, he's. I've been able to hold off the championships. You know, Brewers didn't make it last year. Wisconsin lost uh, in the championship to Duke a couple years ago. So we've been able to hold off a championship from the Bucks the last couple of years. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't happen this year. I don't think it's going to happen. But I'm trying to hold off because Truman, if you don't, if you know Truman personally or if you know him from the show, thankfully we haven't experienced the championship on the show from any of us yet. Um, he is insufferable when his team's winning. He is annoying, he's loud, he's in your face, and it's just hard to live with, hard to be around, um, and it's especially tough uh, when your team's not doing so well or when you don't even have a basketball team like I do. Um, Carmelo Anthony's still a free agent right now, but the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, 60-game winners. Uh, Giannis hasn't won a playoff series. Mike Bootenholzer hasn't been historically good in the playoffs. The last 10 years... Only two teams that had the number one seed have actually went to the championship, and that was two LeBron-led teams. Um, like I, I get it now. It's sort of different now with LeBron out of the East. He hasn't been on the East in a while. Um, this is the first time he'll be out of the East, out of the playoffs in a long time. So the door's open for them to make a run. And, I'm, and maybe it's different. Maybe this is just completely wrong. But what I think when I see the Bucks is I see a young, inexperienced roster who don't know how to uh, manage the playoffs and that don't know how to manage being in the playoffs. And what I've seen the last couple of weeks from the Bucks is they don't rest players. They go hard every single game, every single night. When they're playing the Rockets, when they're playing the Warriors, when they're playing a playoff team, they get up for it, they treat it like a playoff game, and they go all out and they end up killing the team. Because the team that they're playing is usually a pretty, you know, experienced playoff team like like Houston, the Warriors, the 76ers, the Celtics. Experienced playoff teams who've actually won playoff series, um, who have been in big moments. They know what it takes to go to the championship. And that includes, you know, resting your guys, not putting so much weight on regular season games and realizing that the whole task of the regular season is just to get in get a playoff seed, and then once we get into the playoffs, that's the only thing that matters. Seeding doesn't matter that much. Is it nice to have the number one seed and home court advantage? Yeah, of course, but it honestly doesn't matter at the end of the day um, once you get in. And now that the Bucks are going to get into the playoffs, they're going to get in tired, they're going to get in beat up. Um, you look, Giannis has had dealt with some injuries the last couple of weeks. Brogdon's out. Um, Miritich has been out. They've had a lot of injuries, and that's just because they play so hard and during these regular season games. And I think they're going to be gassed, honestly, when they get to the playoffs. And I think they're in for sort of a rude awakening once they get there. So that's what my thought is on the Bucks. Um, I know I've tried to talk about it on the show, but Truman sort of shuts it down because he doesn't believe in it. But I think once we see the Bucks get into the playoffs, I think we're going to see them you know, lose pretty quickly. I don't think we'll see them in the Easter Conference Finals. But I could be wrong. Um, and then I think next year they'll start to realize like you have to you know, rest your players. Bootenholzer has been known to do this, uh, especially with the Hawks the last couple of years. He puts so much weight on the regular season 
that it ends up once you get to the playoffs, you're so tired of playing these big games, you're beat up, you're hurt, um, you just can't get yourself up for these games. So you gotta flip. It's for basketball. You gotta flip some sort of switch to make it you know far in the playoffs. And once you flip that switch in the regular season, uh, the lights can burn out pretty quickly if they stay on that long. But we'll we'll look into that. We'll see what happens. Playoff basketball is starting up here though soon. Uh, Going to be exciting. Playoff seed should be set by Thursday, so we'll talk about it then. MLB. We're going to talk about some of these games, some of the best and worst impressions we've gotten from players. We'll start with not only a worst impression, but one of the craziest storylines in baseball, Chris Davis. Chris Davis, uh, first baseman, I believe, for the Orioles. A couple years ago was a big-time player for them, signed a big contract, and he has just not lived up to that contract at all. He has been struggling at the plate extremely bad. Um behind at the plate he batted under 200 last year under that Mendoza line and now this year he's off to an 0 and 47 or 48 start um I can't remember from last night I know he went 0 for 4 0 for 5 last night um maybe it's 0 for 49 I think I'll look it up real quick for you because that's what we do here at TNT Sports Talk live stat lookings uh, 47 consecutive at-bats without a hit. His last hit was September 14th uh, versus James Shields. It was a double, I believe. But he's now broken the record for longest uh, hitless streak. Uh, the Orioles are a bad team. We all know that they're a bad team. They've been struggling a lot at the plate. Um, they have some players, and Chris Davis was supposed to be one of their major pieces when they signed that big contract. And he has done nothing but... Um, look like a piece of shit at the plate the last couple of years and you know people question his work ethic all this type of stuff and I don't really know why he's you know you could talk about the yips stuff like that but going 0-47 is not great it's not a great look breaking the record like that and I'm sure Orioles fans would love to have that money back because part of the reason why the Orioles fell and fell so quickly is because they didn't have money to go after pitching to go with that pretty good lineup Um, and because they didn't have that money because all that money was tied up in players like Chris Davis and bad contracts like that um so it's just a tough look for them, and they're not going to sit him. They can't put him in AAA because you're not going to put that much money you know, on waivers or AAA. You're not going to just lose that much. You're going to try to get something out of him, but right now you're really getting nothing out of him at all. Um, so with that, that's Chris Davis. We'll continue to check in on that. Hopefully he gets a hit here soon. You know, It's tough to see um, out there. It's something you hate to see. Uh, Next big storyline, we had our first fight of the MLB season, Pirates versus Reds. Chris Archer versus Dietrich of the Reds. Dietrich hit an absolute shot off of Chris Archer. Um, and once he hit the shot, he stared at He pimped it. It was a complete pimp job. It was amazing to watch. That's the type of thing you want to see as baseball fans. He just pimped it to left field, or it was center field, I think. And he just stared at it as it went out. Obviously, that pitch pisses off Chris uh, Archer. So what does he do? He comes back the next at-bat for his D-trick, and he hits him. Um, and that, you know, obviously takes a big uh, um, emotional toll on the dug- both dugouts. And both dugouts come out. Both bullpens come out. Uh, Yasiel Puig starts to take on the whole team. You see that picture of him taking on the whole team in this fight. Uh, that's just the type of situation that was... Uh, 
going on there in PNC Ballpark on Sunday, which is crazy for a Sunday game, usually a sort of low-key game. But Chris Archer didn't take too kindly to Dietrich doing that. But then later in the game, Dietrich hit another home run. They ended up losing that game. The Reds have been struggling. They've started slowly. Um, they actually ended up losing that game. But great fight for the first game. of The first uh, fight of the season was a pretty good fight. Hopefully you have some more. Fights in sports are just fun. I love seeing players lose their cool. Uh, especially when Yasiel Puig, you know, throws up ready to take on a whole team of pirates. Uh, it's pretty fun to watch. But as far as best impressions go, I think the best player so far this season has been Cody Bellinger. Um, these stats are a little bit off. He went 0 for 2 last night with a couple walks. Um, he is by far and away the MVP so far of the season through the first 10 or so games. He's hitting uh, 455, 20 hits, 18 RBIs, and 7 home runs. A lot of those are leading the league uh, in terms of home runs. He's leading the league in hits and RBIs. Uh, I think Tim Beckham's leading the league in batting average right now. But those stats are off, by the way, because I didn't take into account last night. As far as worst impressions go so far, start the season, uh, the Cubs bullpen. Uh, they're at a 9.51 bullpen ERA, which is the second worst behind the Nationals, who have a 10.02 ERA. The Cubs bullpen has hurt them a lot. They've started the season slow, along with the Red Sox, who are 3-8 and eight right now. Uh, it's been a slow start for the Cubs and the Nationals and the Red Sox, some of the national powerhouses in the league the last couple of seasons. It's been a slow start for them, uh, which you hate to see. You know, I think everybody loves watching the the Red Sox, Cubs, and Nationals win every year, um, which is purely sarcasm. But we'll see what happens. We'll see if they fix their bullpen. But right now, you know, uh, Aroldis Chapman's not stepping through the door for those Cubs. So we'll see what happens. But that's it for our show today. We want to thank you to our sponsors, D's Home Cuts, and um, everybody else who continues to listen. We ask that you go onto iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube to listen to our page. Leave us a five-star rating. Rate, review, subscribe. Leave a comment wherever you're at or what you like, what you didn't like. Good or bad comments are always uh, good for us. They help us you know, fix the show, make it better. Uh, follow us also on Twitter at TND Sports Talk 12. That's where you can send us questions, comments, concerns. Anything you want to send us, we'll talk about it on the show. If you want to be a guest on the show, definitely send us a DM, whatever you want to see. Uh, thanks for listening. Tune in on Thursday. Um, we should have an interview on Thursday. We were supposed to have an interview today with uh, an athlete that we're actually pretty excited about. But at the end of the day, uh, we couldn't get the times right. He had some stuff going on. Uh, some stuff going on with his team. Uh, some workouts were started, so we actually didn't get to interview him yesterday. But it's planned, tentative for Wednesday, so we'll see if we get him on. We're also going to get a hockey expert, our boy Bailey McRitchie, back on the show here soon to talk about the the uh, NHL playoffs because we don't know much about hockey, so it's nice to have hockey guys on. But other than that, that's our show. I want to thank you for listening and tune in on Thursday for an even better show. Thanks, guys.